The title of what I'm sharing with you this morning is Three Prayers to Cultivate Deeper Faith. That's the title this morning. Three Prayers to Cultivate Deeper Faith. Uh, would you like to hear these prayers? Would you like to get into that? So please turn so long to Exodus 33, and we'll get there in a few moments' time. Exodus 33. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. As an introduction before we get into that passage, I'd like to say this. Listen to me. So when we think about biblical characters of faith, maybe particularly from the Old Testament, biblical characters of faith. Who comes to mind? Well, chances are we often think about Abraham. Abraham is mentioned time and time again as a wonderful example, as a man of faith, and the Bible says that it was accounted to him as righteousness. And so Abraham is this wonderful example. Praise the Lord for that example. But Moses, would you say the word Moses, the name? But Moses was also a tremendous example of faith. And sometimes, because we're so focused on Abraham, I think that we neglect to look at Moses' life and see that he was too a tremendous example of faith. By the way, he too was listed in the, as a hero of faith in Hebrews 11. In Hebrews 11, there's this list of many wonderful examples of people of faith. Some people call it the Hall of Fame or the Hall of Faith. And Moses is listed in there as one of these examples. But the question is, in essence, what did Moses do? Well, this is what Moses did. He turned his back on Egypt. That was a big deal. He turned his back on Egypt and he believed that the Lord God Jehovah would take the Israelites into a land which was wonderful, which was beautiful, which was new, the promised land. That's what he did and he believed God that that would take place. And so we can learn lessons of deeper faith through Moses' life. But here's the thing. Before he came to experience God in those deeper ways, listen to this, he prayed certain prayers that led to that deeper life. And as a result, he discovered God in a deeper way. Before the deeper life and the deeper experience of the things of God came, there was Moses praying and asking certain things. Some of you might be frustrated at this point in time. Maybe it feels like your life has kind of been stagnating for the last nine to 12 months. There's no progress, there's no going deeper. But sometimes it's because there needs to be, that needs to be prefaced by prayers that we are praying so that God can answer those prayers. Because God is looking for a heart that is after him. Prayers that are prayed that are after him. And as a result, what happened? Moses experienced God in a deeper way. Now, I'd like to share those prayers with you this morning. And at the end, we are just going to pray these prayers together. So, please look at Exodus 33. I hope you're there already. 
Exodus 33, we're gonna look at verse one, sorry, verse 11 to 18. And this is from the New King James Version. It says in Exodus 33, verse 11, it says, now, let the story speak to you. It says, so the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Doesn't that sound like a close relationship? The Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he, Moses, would return to the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. I find this interesting. Joshua was the next generation. Moses had been in the tent of meeting, and afterwards Moses goes back to the camp, and the next generation hung around longer in the presence of God. That's what it says. It says that Joshua, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. I wanna challenge you, younger people, I believe that there can be such a passion for the presence of God that it even, you know, even is more intense than the older generation. You might say, well, I'm waiting till I'm getting older to see God's presence. No, as a young person, a young man, a young woman, you seek after God. It says in verse 12, then Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and uh, you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray. Here begins a prayer that comes from the heart of Moses. I pray. If I have found grace in your sight, here's the prayer, the first one. Show me now your way. There it is. Show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people, Lord. <laughs> and he said, God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then he, Moses, said to the Lord, he has the third prayer, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So, we shall be separate, your people and I, from all of the people who are on the, the face of the earth, before we read verse 17, I just wanna say this. There is something that sets apart the people of God from every other grouping on the face of the earth. It is that we are God's special people and we have the presence of God with us. That is what makes all the difference. The presence of God makes it clear that those are the people of God. They carry the presence of God. Verse 17. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken. What thing? The thing that you want my presence. I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you. And verse 18, here comes the third prayer. And he said, please show me your glory. This is the prayer from Moses' heart. Please show me your glory. I'm sure you'll agree it's a beautiful passage of Scripture. 
there's actually a lot of richness. And I want to share three points, which are the three prayers with you, and hopefully make it come a little bit more alive. So, point number one, the first prayer, there is that phrase, Lord, teach me your ways. Say this out loud with me, Lord, teach me your ways. Say this again, Lord, teach me your ways. I wonder, have you prayed that prayer? Have you prayed that prayer? If you have, well done. If you have, was it very long ago or was it perhaps in the recent past? But this is what Moses prayed. He said, Lord, teach me your ways. Verse 13, by the way, please keep your Bible open at Exodus 33. We're gonna refer back several times. In verse 13, Moses said, now therefore I pray, and this is what he prays, show me now your way that I may know you. The same verse 13 in the NIV renders it in a more well-known way. It says, teach me your ways so that I may know you. Now, the question is this. This whole aspect of God, teach me your ways, what does it really mean? When we say teach me your ways, we are in essence saying, God, I want to know your culture. I'm saying teach me your ways. That's, I'm saying, God, I wanna know your culture. When I'm saying teach me your ways, I'm saying, God, I want to absorb the culture of heaven. Don't you just love that? Teach me your ways, Lord. I want to absorb the culture of heaven and I want to be captivated by your ways. I want to absorb your culture. Now, one of the things we need to ask is, well, what culture had Moses learned over the years of his life up until that point? Well, the fact of the matter is, if you research his life, you will discover that he spent the first 40 years of his life learning the Egyptian culture, a very strong culture, the culture that you copy the culture and you do what you need to do. And so he had learned for the first 40 years of his life the Egyptian culture. Then after that, do you know that he spent a further 40 years in the desert and he was learning the desert culture it was the culture of the shepherds. It was the culture of the nomads, those that would travel around and so on. And so this is the situation. He had learnt the culture of Egypt and the culture of the desert. But now God was asking Moses, he said, listen, Moses, you are gonna lead my people into a new season. And so Moses knew that he needed to learn the ways of the Lord because after all, if he's gonna lead God's people and he's got this a culture of 40 years of this and 40 years of that, and now he's gonna lead God's people, he's realizing, I am in trouble unless I absorb the culture of heaven. I'm in trouble unless God teaches me his ways because then I will be effective in fulfilling my destiny. Do you know what? The same thing applies to you. Listen to me. You need to absorb the culture of heaven. You need God to teach you your way, His ways so that you can fulfill your destiny, your dream, your calling, what God has for you. And some people have been not filling enough of their destiny and their calling and their dream and so on. It's because they haven't been praying, God, teach me your ways. 
Because if I operate in your ways and then step into my calling, I will be far more effective in the ways and the purposes of God. Teach me your ways. Do you know that Moses, at this point in time, he was 82 years old. But what strikes me is Moses was still prepared to learn. That is beautiful. <laughs> you know, there might be some people, 70s, 80s here today, maybe a handful of you. I want to ask you, are you still prepared to learn? <laughs> are you still prepared to learn? Are you still prepared to say like Moses, God, teach me your ways. Some of you are very learned and you've got so many degrees and no temperature, but no, by the way. You've got so many degrees and, and doctorates and masters and so on and you think you've arrived. I wanna tell you, you've never arrived this side of heaven. You keep on discovering Jesus in a greater and 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 a greater, and a greater, and a greater way. And so Moses is saying, God, teach me your ways. Teach me your culture. I wanna ask this, what culture have you learned? Have you learned a worldly culture? A traditionalist culture? An African culture? An Afrikaans culture? An English culture? What culture have you learned? Listen, this is very important. We are called to learn, and I say this unapologetically, we are called to learn the culture of the kingdom of God. Now put your hands together, come on. The culture of the kingdom of God. It is the highest culture, by far. Yeah, so I come out of an English culture, and about six generations back, my, my family apparently was in Germany or something like that, you know? I can't speak German to save my soul. But a nice German sausage, that's quite lacquer. <laughs> so I'm just thinking about this, but let me tell you, if there is any conflict between my culture that I come out of and the culture of the kingdom of God, my culture bows its knee completely and the culture of the kingdom of God is exalted. It is exalted, it is exalted. We exalt the culture of the kingdom. And if your culture is telling you to do unrighteous things, things that aren't in line with the scriptures, I wanna tell you, your culture must bow its knee before Jesus Christ. Absolutely. It is the culture of the kingdom of God that is the top culture. Because he's the king and he is the Lord. And so teach me your ways, teach me your ways. This statement should drive us to the word of God because the best tool possible for you to learn the ways of, the God, of God is in God's words. In the book of Psalms, we see the heartfelt desire to know God's ways in the book of Psalms. And this is clearly expressed, I'll just mention two references to you. The one is Psalm 86, verse 11, and here the psalmist says, teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. The same prayer that Moses prayed, the psalmist is praying. Another one is Psalm 25, verse four to five, and it says, show me your ways. Let this be the cry of our heart. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths, O Lord. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation, and on you I wait all day long. We need to be teachable if we're gonna learn God's ways, amen? Now let me tell you this, quite interesting. 
when we learn more and more of the ways of God, we come to understand how he works. And then you come to a point where you start to, in certain instances, you realize, well, I'm not surprised that God worked that way. Why are you not surprised? Because you've been discovering the ways of the Lord. Maybe 10 years earlier in your walk with God, you would have been blown away and sobbing and in tears. But now you come to a place where, yeah, I know, I'm beginning to get how the Lord works. And sometimes when he works, yeah, sometimes he just still blows my mind. I don't understand it. But many times I'm starting to understand. Okay, yes, I understand how the Lord works. Teach me your ways is what Moses prayed. In other words, teach me your ways because I want to absorb the culture of heaven. Now, would you please tell the person next to you, I want to absorb the culture of heaven. Tell them that, please. Second prayer. Lord, assure me of your presence. Say it out loud with me. Lord, assure me of your presence. From assure, say it again. Assure me of your presence. Now, we know that this prayer was prayed under the old covenant. And there's a difference between the old and the new covenant. Under the old covenant, the Holy Spirit would come upon people for a certain task and empower them by the Spirit, and then he would often withdraw after the task was accomplished. The good news is we live in the new covenant, praise God. And in the new covenant, the Holy Spirit is always with us, and this is co confirmed by John 14, 16, where Jesus said that he, the Holy Spirit, may abide with you forever. Now, isn't that beautiful? We've come into a time where we are temples of the Holy Spirit and He abides with us forever. However, even though the Holy Spirit is with us positionally and spiritually speaking, we still need to pursue the experience of His presence in our day-to-day -day lives. There's many things that God has made available to us but we have to act upon them. And we have to say, okay, God, I'm now practicing the presence of God. I'm learning to become more aware of your presence. Yes, I understand because of the dispensation that we're in, that positionally I am uh, blessed to have God with me, living inside of me. But then we have to become more aware of his presence. We turn inwards. Become more aware of God. We draw near to Him and He draws near to us. It's such a wonderful thing to have this clear sense that we are experiencing the reality of His presence in our daily lives and that's how we can apply Moses' prayer, assure me of your presence into our daily lives today. In other words, God, I wanna be walking with you as I'm going through my day, I want to be aware of your presence. Maybe not every waking moment I'm aware of your presence, but as often as, as I have a moment to turn my heart and affection towards you, I thank you, Lord, that you assure me of your presence. I need the reality of your presence moment by moment. Now, your Bible's still open in Exodus 33. Look at verse 15 and 16. It says, then Moses said to him, to God, Here's the prayer. If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. 
For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight except you go with us? You know what really uh, amazes me here is take note of Moses' passion for the presence of God. It is remarkable. <laughs> and I ask you, is God's presence that important to you? Is God's presence that important to us? In other words, we're saying, unless God is in it, I'm not gonna get involved in it. God, unless you are leading me in this direction, I don't wanna do it. God, unless you are directing us as a congregation to build a new larger auditorium, I don't wanna do it unless your presence is in it and is with us. Because apart from, from you, we can do nothing. And so here yeah, Moses declares his desire for God's presence. Now, something interesting in this chapter 33, what has happened is something has changed. Because earlier in this chapter, God said, I am not going to go with the people. But Moses then makes this appeal to God, and he says, no, please, God, you've got to go with. And it seems as though God was so greatly moved by this plea from Moses by this earnest desire for God's presence to go with, that God granted Moses his request. You know what? I believe, listen, God truly loves it when we're passionate about his presence. I wanna say that again. God truly loves it when we're passionate about his presence. There's nothing that blesses God's heart more than a love for his presence. Mm. I think of that song. I love, I love, I love your presence. I love, I love, I love you, Jesus. I love, I love, I love your presence. I love, I love. I love you, Jesus. When we sing songs like that, it touches the heart of Father. And Moses was describing his love for the presence of God. Amazing, the presence of God. When we speak about the presence of God, it speaks about his person. It speaks about his companionship. But also when we speak about the presence of God, it speaks about his guidance. It speaks about his provision. It speaks about his help. And so Moses was simply not prepared to make a move without God. And sometimes we need to ask that question. Is God in it? Because I don't want to get involved in things that are devoid of God. As there's certain things that you're considering involving yourself with in the future. I want to ask you, is God in it? Because chances are, if God is in it, there will already be a peace in your heart. But we don't want to get involved in things where God is devoid of being there. He's not there. But you know what? As Choose Life Church, we want to say to God that, God, unless you are present in our services, we don't want to do church. We don't want to do church, Lord. We've got to meet with you. We're not playing games, God. I mean it, Lord, we pray this. We don't wanna play games because we desire your presence. We desire your presence. Apart from you, we can't do nothing. The last point, point number three, 
Here's the third prayer, and this is what it says. Lord, show me your glory. Say that with me. Lord, show me your glory. Now say it from deep within. Lord, show me your glory. Is this a prayer that you've prayed in your life? I trust you have. But chances are, many people here, you've never prayed that prayer. Maybe you've sung it in a song and so on. But can I encourage you? This might be the very first day that you actually pray that prayer and you actually say from deep within, Lord, please show me your glory. I love to talk about my dad because my dad, and on this Father's Day, I honor my dad even though he went to be with the Lord many years ago. And so when my dad passed away, he was 57, he died very unexpectedly of heart failure. He collapsed on the ground of the Union buildings at the start of a march for Jesus. And so he passed away and the Lord had allowed him to graduate to glory. But in terms of my dad, after he passed away, we, we thought, well, hey, what did dad last preach on? Because chances are the last message that he preached before he went to be the Lord, surely that must be significant. And we checked and what did my dad preach on in his very last message? The glory of God. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> That's not by chance. That's not by coincidence. Coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. <laughs> God was in it. God had spoken to my dad. And you know what? I really appreciate that my dad desired the glory of God. And I remember my dad saying in that last sermon, as I listened to it afterwards, he said, I don't wanna be in a place where the glory of God is not present. I don't wanna be in a place like that. I wanna be in a place where we experience the presence of God and the manifest glory of God. And one of the things that had spurred him to say this is that he had been to a church, I believe it was in New Zealand, a few months before. This is a church that had seated several thousand people, but somehow they lost their focus on seeking after God as they should have, and God's presence and God's glory, and the church became smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, and this church eventually, they put up drywalling halfway through the, the entire auditorium, and so only half of the seats were visible. The whole back part of the auditorium was not utilized at all, and my dad stood in that place, and he said the fear of God came upon him because he says, I don't wanna be in a place where the glory has departed. And my dad also referenced the story of Ichabod. By the way, you may have heard the story, and, and when the child was born, they called him Ichabod, why? Because in Israel, uh, the glory of God had departed, and so they named this child Ichabod, meaning the glory has departed. And my dad was saying, I don't wanna be in a place where the glory has departed. By the way, I mentioned this in the first service. Just a, a few streets away from here, there is a little townhouse complex, and the name on the complex is Ichabod. Can you believe that? <laughs> it's here in Conan Street. Maybe they thought that was a cool name or something, but they should go and find out what that name means, all right? Golly. And so my dad, here he was, passionately on his last sermon. Who knew that a few days later he would be experiencing the glory of God in the fullest sense of the glory of God? Who knew? God knew. Praise God. And you know what? The passion that he had for the glory of God is still affecting his offspring today. 
in terms of his children and his grandchildren, they are still being affected by that passion for the glory. Let me tell you, the passion that you have for the presence of God and specifically for the glory of God, even once you've gone to be with the Lord in heaven, that can affect your future generations. Some of you didn't hear that. That can affect your future generations. You can be gone, you can be in heaven, and something of what you did in your life spoke so powerfully that your children know they don't wanna mess around with God. They want the glory of the Lord. Praise God. And so look at verse 18. It says, and he, Moses said, please show me your glory. What a remarkable prayer. The word glory speaks of the worth of a person and it speaks of the power of a person. Now let me say this, it's amazing, yeah, Moses prays this prayer, show me your glory, and it's amazing that from what I can understand from scripture, God immediately showed him his glory. And God said, you go stand on the mountain, and I'm gonna come, and I'm gonna pass by you. You will not see me from the front. I will put my hand over you. I will pass by you, and then I'll take my hand away. You will see me from behind, and you will see my glory from behind. And this is what happened in that situation. It's in Exodus 34. It's one chapter further, verse six to eight. Exodus 34, six to eight. And it says, and the Lord passed before him, that's Moses, and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, and abounding in goodness. That's our God is a good, good father. Abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. And so jump into verse eight. It says, so Moses made haste, <laughs> I like this, and bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. The modern translation says, and Moses hit the deck and started worshiping God. Sorry, that's John's NIV, nice interesting version. <laughs> and so what happened? Moses was so deeply impacted by the glory of God that the only way he could respond was by worshiping God. When the glory of God is manifested in a, in a, in a meeting together or in a life group meeting or in uh, a few people meeting together in the presence of God or even privately when the glory of God is manifested, you know that you need to get on to your knees and you need to start to worship God. Let me tell you something beautiful that happened here Tuesday night. So Tuesday night we had, it was the final of five sessions of the Catch the Fire course. And by the way, we're gonna run another one later in the year. I think it's in September. And uh, that's gonna happen later on in the year. Uh, and so the final evening, we were blessed to have uh, Pastor Carol on it from Toronto, uh, Catch the Fire Church. And she was online with us talking about the Holy Spirit. And then we had a time and we invited people to come to the front to be prayed for the touch of God by His Spirit, and also for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so there was 160 people here for this course, and there was about five or six groups of leaders in the front to pray for people, and we were having a beautiful time. God was present, God was working. At one point in time, myself, Mandri, and Pastor Peter were praying for a couple down the front here. 
And this was about, I don't know, probably 30, 40 minutes into the time of prayer. And while we were praying for them, I began to become aware that it has shifted now just from the manifest presence. Now it has shifted that we're experiencing the glory of God right here. And I was like, ah, my spiritual antennas, and antennas are like, the glory, the glory, this is the glory. And so I stood in front of this person that I was praying and I just stood away for a moment and I said, God, I sense your glory here right now. I just worship your glory. We worship your glory. We worship your glory. And then I felt so moved. I came and jumped up on stage. I didn't even have a microphone. And I began to shout out and I began to declare, God, we sense your glory in this place right now. God, we worship your glory. It is clear. It is abundant. You are manifesting the glory of the Lord in this place. God, we love you. We desire your glory. Oh, the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord. And you know what? It was a powerful moment in God. And don't tell me we didn't experience the glory of God. I know we experienced the glory of God. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you begin to experience the glory of God, you begin to worship. Praise God. And so you know what? I'm drawing to a close. I believe that when Moses saw God's glory in that moment, that he was actually seeing the DNA of God. What do I mean? In terms of the DNA of God, if you could put God under a microscope, which you can't, if you could put God under a microscope and analyze right at the deepest level, you would see things like mercy, grace, loving kindness, goodness, truth. You would see the things that Moses experienced because the declaration came, goodness, truth, loving kindness, mercy. And in other words, you would see the glory of God because the character and nature of God is the glory of God. Show me your glory, Lord. Show me your glory. May I invite you to stand, please? We're gonna end off in prayer. It's not gonna be a long time of prayer. But essentially today, the first point was, Lord, teach me your ways. The second point was, Lord, assure me of your presence. The third point was, Lord, show me your glory. Now I'd like to ask that we bring up that next slide, please. So here is the three prayers. Lord, teach me your ways. Lord, assure me of your presence. Lord, reveal your incredible glory to me. In Jesus' name I pray. Now. Before I lead you in a prayer concerning that, I'm gonna ask that we just have just 20 seconds where you in your own heart just pray that prayer quietly. Right now, let's be sensitive to the Lord. If you wanna open your eyes and look at that screen, you pray that prayer right now. From deep within, pray that. It matters what you pray.
Father, thank you for your word to us today. Your word is clear. And we notice with keen interest that Moses first prayed those prayers and then he saw those prayers answered. We just come before you, Abba Father, as your children. And today, on behalf of your people here and those listening online, I want to pray this prayer on behalf. We pray these three prayers and we say, Lord, teach me your ways. Say that with me. Lord, teach me your ways. Say it again. Lord, teach me your ways. Let's say the second prayer. Lord, assure me of your presence. Lord, assure me of your presence. And again, Lord, assure me of your presence. And the next line, and Lord, reveal your incredible glory to me. And Lord, reveal your incredible glory to me. And Lord, reveal your incredible glory to me. And the last line, just once through. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Lord, we say we love you. Thank you that you've heard our prayers. And Lord, we are expecting that we will begin to see the answers of these prayers immediately, immediately, immediately. We love you, Jesus. Just say, I love you, Jesus. And I bless your people as we go our different ways right now. Cover us with your protection, your peace. And continue to reveal yourself to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a last hand of praise.